This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Now, if you're a regular Free FM listener, you'll know that we do try to keep you up to date with what is happening around the city um, and uh, with particular regard to civic issues. And so we invite uh, Te Kunihira o Kirikiriro's um, or Hamilton Mayor Paula Southgate onto the show to help us understand the current issues. And at the moment, we'll probably find one of the biggest issues or biggest talking points, I should clarify, is our 10-year plan. And so um, Mayor Paula is joining us now. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Um, as I mentioned just then, we'll, we'll focus on uh, the 10-year plan because I know that's the big piece of work for the first half of, of this year and something that has been in the building since um, this council was elected in 2019, which actually feels like a long time ago. Does it feel like a long time ago to you? Oh, it comes from, on the one hand, yes, and on the other hand, here it comes again. It, round, it rolls round, it rolls round, and you think, gosh, haven't we just done a ten-year plan? Yeah, and here we are doing it. Yeah, but but I, in actual fact, we 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 are in year four of the plan, but of course we have to review it every three years. So the idea is not to chuck the whole thing out and start again, but is to review what you were proposing to do over the ten years and make sure it's on track, and make any changes that new council might want. So that's where we're at at the moment, or that's where we've been. Now it's your turn as the public to have a say on whether. We've um, proposed some good things, or are you happy with the direction of travel? I think that's really important that you clarified this is kind of like a review and shouldn't be there should be no big surprises in here. Um, and I, just recalling uh, the last time we went through the long-term plan process, there were quite a few surprises. And actually, I remember quite a bit of talk about um, around finances. And I think that was just after Mayor King was uh, elected in. We found this big black hole, apparently, and it was an accounting um, mm. change. Is there anything that we should know or any significant changes to our overall financial strategy? I know that sounds boring, uh, just trying to get a sense of where we are financially as opposed to where we thought we would be. Yeah, well, actually, it's a very important topic. The finances drive our rates and our fees and charges and so on, and that's where it hits the people of Hamilton in the pocket. So it's always important to keep a view on what we're doing. So there are no big back holes, holes this time or things that were unseen. But we're all paying back, um, paying forward things that should have been invested in prior. So we're still in a little bit of catch-up mode. So what I will say the two changes are, we proposed in the last um, long-term plan to go up with 3.8, 3.8, right through the life of the 10 years. Now, that has changed. What has changed is that government has come in uh, with a lot of uh, changes of legislation and put some firm requirements on local government to deliver to some standards. One of those is around water. So water, that's the three waters, that's your drinking water, your wastewater and your stormwater, and the stuff that goes down the gutters, etc. And they've raised the bar in terms of standards because, you know, people will hear on the news how many times a, a community is asked to boil their water or have been contaminated with some, you know, a E. coli or lead or whatever it is. So quite clearly there are some uh, issues to be resolved at the New Zealand level. So... A third of our rates goes to our water provision. Another proportion goes to um, reviewing our district plan to bring it in line with government's national policy statement on urban development, 
that's the one that looks at how fast we can infill our city, how high buildings can go, whether they need garages and so forth. So those two costs alone uh, make up uh, 4.4% of our rates increase alone. Then there is the rate that was covering all the general things, the core business of uh, council, you, you know, your trees, your parks, your gardens, your playgrounds, your sweet, uh, streets, um, your libraries, your zoos, museums, um, and all the key essential services as well, roads, etc. So uh, that was proposed to, as I say, be 3.8%, but it's now going to be 4.2% going out. So altogether, 8.8% increase on rates, which isn't going to make a lot of people happy, especially mm. post-COVID when everybody's felt the burden, as has council, squeeze on our finances. But um, there is no choice but to go forward and keep building. Um, just, uh, just a question on that. So the compliance, uh, I can't remember the term you used, sorry, the compliance costs from government for some, some changes there, that's non-negotiable? That will stay regardless of any feedback given by our community? No, not entirely, but it may mean that if we don't invest in, uh, to the extent that we're proposing, we won't be able to meet the government's expectations okay. in time. But in a way, the government's going to come in and determine how three waters should be managed anyway. They're going to, uh, you know, they're talking about six entities for the whole of the country. Um, and, uh, you know, councils either have to, uh, well, they do have to opt into that unless they have some special reasons to opt out to that change of direction mm -hmm. of government. So there's a lot happening in the water space. But I guess in us labelling the go that a government compliance rate, it was transparent way of saying, well, this is where the costs are coming down the pipe from. Okay. Uh, and we wanted to be clear about the project sort of costs that we are suggesting to the public and then the, go the costs that government are imposing on local government into the billions of dollars of support. Okay, and let's look at some of those costs. Uh, when we think long-term plan, we should be, uh, in, my, in my personal view, be looking at mitigating and... Um, climate, the impact of climate change on us and reducing our carbon emissions is something that we are required to do as citizens um, and how has that worked into this plan? Well it is in this plan um, we've, we're developing a climate action plan as we speak mm. but also I'm trying to get staff to draw together in one place so people can see it and get access to it what we're already doing around uh, mitigation and adaption to climate and so for example We've got an extensive gully restoration project proposed in this LTP. There are two levels. One, one CSO do a lot of the work a little bit sooner, but then tapers off. Another, another one uh, sees a steady development over the 10 years of the plan of gullies. Now, gullies are our green fingers. Those are carbon sinks, etc., etc. So it's double whammy. We get better biodiversity. We get better green spaces, and we um, start to tackle our carbon emissions. Uh, we're looking at fleet management, for Ooh, example, sorry, within I'll our just, own car. Sorry, I'll just mm -hmm. interrupt there just so we can talk about the gallery just for a little bit more yeah, while sure. we're here. Um, I, I'm just a bit curious. Um, we are supposed to get to 10% biodiversity across the city. What happens if ratepayers concerned about the impact of rates on their back pocket say no to what you're proposing for gully restoration? What will that well, mean? Well, that us? is an issue. I think council will have to determine what level of investment is absolutely required, um, and I'm sure we'll get just as many people submitting that they want um, healthier green spaces. The government will come in with a national policy statement on biodiversity within this calendar year, 
and they'll place expectations on councils to to better look after our Indigenous biodiversity because New Zealand as a country is not very good at it. And, of course, Hamilton's, you know, the same. We need to work to protect what we have um, because we're a fast-growing city as well. So keeping it green and vibrant and sustainable and all of that at the same time as growing large subdivisions for housing is going to be a challenge, but we've got to tackle it, to be honest. Mm. Um, we know that 60% of the emissions of the city are um, through transport. So mm. do you feel as if we've got the balance right with uh, what you're proposing for upgrades to some intersections in Rotatuna um, and cycling? Do you feel as if that's a good balance for where we should be going? This is the most ambitious programme of cycling and mode shift that we've ever done as a council. So yes, we've been very generous. In actual fact, you know, people might... Um, have a view on whether we're going too far, too fast, because you know, uh, because it will come at a cost. Mm-hmm. Having said that, uh, intersections are a safety issue. Lives uh, lives have been lost on our intersections, and that is always a primary concern. How can we keep our citizens safe on their local roads and in their intersections? Uh, cycling, well, we are working through some very exciting projects. The glossiest of those projects comes at a pretty hefty price for ratepayers. Um, but there are scale-back versions that offer some of the benefits and outcomes um, that may be more affordable. So we're asking the public to have a look at the type of thing we're doing and say, well, you know, what parts of that, that program do they want to do? Having said that, we all acknowledge that um, globally and nationally we're being asked to um, shift, and that doesn't mean overnight, but it means transition into other forms than private motor vehicles and that's what the future looks like everywhere around the world so you know we've got to provide for walking cycling electric scooters any other means of transportation as well Mm. shared fleets like like the loop um, car share all of those forms of transport are coming closer and closer so we're we're setting the foundation Mm. for the future when I'm thinking about um, transport and particularly people who commute into our central city uh, for work, you're currently asking whether or not we would like to have paid commuter parking on sort of mm. more of an outer central city. I'll get to that in a second, but why is it that we still have free parking in our central city? It seems at odds with climate action and there it doesn't appear to me to be any uh, concrete uh, proof that it's improving retail spend. Um, well, I, uh, the, the uh, Hamilton Central City Business Association will probably disagree with, yeah, you, with you on that. But <laughs> they, would, they would say that it definitely has um, improved their customer numbers. Of course, COVID puts a bit of a spin on that because we just don't know what the real effect of COVID was mm. altogether. But the CBD uh, is an area which we're trying to invest into its vibrancy. People are, you know, councillors are split on a number of issues, and this would be one. Some people would like to continue the small, it's a smaller zone proposed, by the way. Um, some people would like to continue free parking while uh, developers are in there building new buildings and so on to get that revitalisation. And others feel that um, it's time to start paying for parking again. Having said that, we can't pay with metres anymore because they're all um, old technology, not working very well. So if we did that, we'd have to invest up front on a lot of parking infrastructure, you know, IT mm. infrastructure. We do the number plate recognition, but, we, you know, pay, payments and how you know where to park and all that kind of thing comes at an investment. 
So what we've proposed instead is to look at this, the outlying areas of the CBD, the ones where people park all day, uh, you know, one person in their own car comes in and parks all day for free. Uh, and if we charge between 5 or $8 a day, um, then potentially we get a, a, a good size of um, revenue that we can apply to making the city easier to get around in a number of other ways. But, you know, look, there's a, as with L, every LTP, each vote that we took, there were a different range of views. Mm. Um, uh, you know, we disagreed on a number of matters, and that's actually healthy democracy. Um, but we did it very collegially, and we've put this out as a starting point for discussion mm. with the public. Um, from from where I sit, and I guess from the public, it does look like everything has been done collegially. You didn't have the midnight meetings that I was aware of anyway, uh, oh, that we saw with the last round of our long-term uh, plan yeah. uh, discussions. Oh, yes, but who makes good decisions <laughs> at midnight when you've been no. there for no. that long? Okay, so can you let us know um, the dates, the process for when we need to have checked this all out on futurehamilton.co.nz and had our say? Yes, yes, you've got, still got another month, uh, 28 days, I think. It's got a counter on the website, so that's very useful. <laughs> but the, also the really good thing about that is that you can jump on the website and you can start your consultation form. And um, if you haven't got time to get through it all, you can you know, log out. Next time you log in, it will remember you mm. and you'll be able to carry on. So it's not like you've um, got to find... You know, a couple of hours to sit down and go through it all. Also, you can dip in and out to what you want to want to um, talk about. And don't forget, people can just email us if 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 they can't uh, navigate the um, the website for whatever reason, or they prefer, or they can pick up a form in the library and they can handwrite it. We we'll take them in any way they come. Are you taking you know, social media feedback? Pardon? Are you taking social media feedback? I think we discussed this last time. Uh, last well, time. yes, but it, it doesn't become a formal. That okay. feedback and engagement, but that's not a formal submission because you do have to put your name to formal submission. But we're out and about with iPads and computers all over the place in the shopping malls, at the big events. I think we were at Gourmet in the Gardens on Sunday, though I couldn't get down there, sadly. We're at the base at one point. So you can actually do it on the fly there, write a few comments. It doesn't have to be pages and pages. It can be a few comments mm. on the things that matter most to you. Sign it on the iPad because, of course, technologies like that are where you go. Yeah. And um, well, it's great. It's, um, it's making it more accessible to more people. We're trying to actually go where people are rather than have, have them come to us or, or log on. And, you know, it's all one way then. Any idea of how many people have made submissions so far? I know that just a few days into it, you were quite happy with that, how it started. Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, we've already got over uh, 120 submissions to date. That was last time I asked, late last week. So I'm not cool. quite sure. Yeah. I will check in, but I'm hopeful because we got a thousand um, submissions just on Hey Poor Manawa Ora. That was so fantastic. That, yeah. Yeah, and I understand that there was a lot of young people who com who completed that. So it just goes to show if you can put the issues uh, where they are and mm. give them the time to respond in modern ways, we do get good um, engagement. And probably issues that people uh, have a real connection or feeling for. It's a lot easier to write a submission when you care about something other than something that's sort of abstract or sounds boring. You know, no offence to any of the work that the council does, but some of it is a bit 
you know, you have to be. Oh, well, you know, we all have our passions. Like you, like you said, today some people are passionate about galleys, mm. some about cycling, some of them are passionate about completely other things, yeah. uh, swimming pools, finances, development contributions, all of those kind mm. of things are in the mix. Mm. So if you don't um, want to answer a particular question, just right, roll right. on past yeah. and go to where, where you want to make your comment. So the idea is to make this as easy as possible. Um, so thank you for, um, so much for your time this morning to go through some of those points with us and we we'll probably may catch up before the end of the consultation period or this uh, particular period. But um, thank you yeah, for your time yeah. this morning. Oh, look, you're welcome, Kelly, and I'll let you know how the um, submissions are tracking um, because I think we can all play a valuable part in encouraging people mm. no. Especially those who've never done it. Have you never done it? Yeah. Well, have a go, you know. It's, you know, you're a little bit of 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 a it's all really important. It's all part of um, how easy it is to live in our city, uh, a place where we uh, where we can thrive, where we like to be, and fun and green. Um, so yeah, head to um, the Hamilton City Council's website, head into their building if you'd prefer um, a paper copy of that, and make sure you do have your say. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.